Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two aspiring journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and back in the studio, we have Camila Fonseca. Uh, who obviously was out this past week, had to do a solo pod. Didn't really enjoy that too much, but... Yeah, I'm so sad that I wasn't able to share all my deep insights on prospects and all the things that I know about the prospect world. Yeah, but you had a little trip to New York. How was that? I did. That was fun. Um, I stayed near City Field, and I stayed with a Yankees fan. That was horrendous. Ew, that is disgusting. Yeah. So um, there were good things and bad things in New York. City Field looks nice from the outside, though, someone that's never been. Uh, but having Camilo back on the pod is not the only special thing about this episode. We actually have a guest. Uh, Colin Kapoor uh, is a friend of ours and colleague, another journalist. Um, so, Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your baseball fandom? Yeah, so thanks for having me on, first off, guys. First time, long time, as I so often say. But I'm a Nats fan, so uh, I've been pretty depressed the past few weeks, past few years. Uh, since basically 2019, I've been pretty depressed. But, you know, it's great to be on here, talk talk some baseball, talk some trade deadline. And, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And that's, that's what the premise of this episode is. We're going to give you guys you know, a little bit about what has happened since All-Star break, where we are in the MLB. I'm not going to give too much about the actual in-depth of what's happening for each team, but we will be getting into trade deadline talk and rumors and what we think is going to happen as we come to these final weeks or the final week of July. So starting it off, though, uh, we should mention that this is a, also a special podcast episode because David Ortiz is getting enshrined right now. Among we, other people. As we speak. Yeah, there are other people. You know? It is not just David Ortiz getting enshrined. But yes, we're waiting on, we were waiting on a speech earlier. And um, earlier was like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. And it never came <laughs> through. So that's that wasn't great. I'm sure by the time this episode is out, Ortiz had like a, a great speech and he like he had a poppy cam on his like sun in his sunglasses. Yeah, shout out to the poppy cam, by the way. Fantastic. From the All Star game? Yeah, that Fantastic. was pretty funny. I, I think they should have that more often. That was the best part um, of the All Star game. I thought. I, yeah. His conversation was, with Alec Manoa was the best part. Yeah. I'll take you deep. He probably would. He, he probably, probably would. would. But so let's just give a little bit of a, a breakdown uh right now. So very competitive American League East. Not really. There's one team that's in the lead, of course, that is the Yankees. But that wild card situation is so interesting uh, because I think a lot rides on what we're, we're talking about today, which is that trade deadline acquisitions, how that's going to play out. Yeah, I think there are there are teams that have a very clear, at least shot at a wild card spot right now. And there are teams in the AL East that maybe had a, a clear shot at a wild card spot and that's kind of been thrown into into question now and you could even make the argument that there's a team that didn't have a clear shot for a wild card spot that now is so really every single team in the AL East is is sort of jockeying for one of those three wild card berths at the moment um the one that things have that there have been a lot of question marks about have been the Boston Red Sox Oh, yes. Um, it's been a tough weekend. It has. in Boston. Yeah. Uh, well, not everybody in Boston. I, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed the outcome of the last couple games. But, yeah, I don't know. Tyler, do you want to talk about this uh, Blue Jays series that's currently going on? It's been uh, a fantastic thing to watch if you're not a Sox fan. If you're a big Sox hater, I'm sure. If you're a football fan, it's uh, really, oh, that's really... True good thing to watch yeah you know losing 28 to 5 wasn't on uh, my bingo card for this season um but you know listen right it it all counts as one loss and uh you kind of just have to move forward and it doesn't seem though that the red sox have been able to move forward as they've lost uh well they're on track to lose the this getting swept now and losing about five games in a row now so you know you gotta consider the the buy sell which we'll once again get into when we get to that topic uh rounding out the american league the twins are still on top of the central and the astros are on top of the west uh kind of really surprised by those twins which we'll we'll talk i know that you have some strong opinions on what the twins should do at Mm -hmm. trade deadline do you want to do national 
Yeah, season. well, but before that, I want to just go back to the Red Sox game real quick. And I'm not doing this just to, like, to rub it in, but um, I, I, I feel like it's not just any, you know, this isn't just losing any five games. This is losing five games, A, in the division against the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and in very um, hard ways to stomach, let's put it that way. Right, and um, the Red Sox haven't won a single series against the American League East all year. You know, I think they're oh, they're going to be 0-11-1 in series against the American League East after this series, and um, it's just it's tough to stomach, like you said. But you got to somewhat stay positive as a fan because, you know, it is sports, right? Before we, before we get off this, I want to ask, you know, not again. I'm not trying to beat this twenty-eight to three thing. Uh, like I'm not trying it to beat was twenty-eight to five or twenty-eight to five. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse gotta give me. them something. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did score the five runs. I don't right. want to take that away from them. Very exciting. Um, there's been a lot of consternation about you know that inside the park grand slam, which is not something you see every day. What's your take on the whole Jaron Duran situation there? I mean, listen, right? We we don't really have the depth, so there's no way to... I mean, like, cutting him makes no sense at this point. Um, you know, he said in an interview, he said, I was, like, Verdugo was already running towards the ball. He's like, I didn't want to get in his way. Maybe I should have taken a couple steps, but I just thought it was the saddest, most... It, I think it was how every Red Sox fan felt in that moment was just that sad walk that he had towards the baseball, just staring at it. And... It feels like the whole season, like we're we've seen the goal the entire year, but we've strayed away from the path and lost in the lights every single step of the way. So, um, you know, I think I I wouldn't cut Duran because there's literally like who else? I mean, I guess we could get anybody, right? I, I mean, guess you could if you wanted to buy somebody, you could you could trade for for a, a, a center, center fielder, fielder or a right fielder move. I don't. Why not? Listen, I understand, but I think Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, if he was playing center that game, like he should be, maybe he should have been playing the whole season at center field. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't happen. I mean, I have a lot of faith in Jackie. Uh, I feel like a lot of people do when they see his defense, you know. But yeah, that was, I mean, that was just straight depressing. It was hard to watch. Like, as someone who was actively rooting against the Red Sox, that was, that play was just, ugh. Well, I, I saw the the play. I didn't see it live. I saw it on Twitter, but I was confused as to why he was kept in the game. But right, I would have taken like, him out. You, you bench? I I don't know. I, I would have assumed he got benched after that, especially they were down by what eight runs at the time or something like that. It was just a, it was it was confusing. And, and going off of that for the Red Sox, like they had that rough stretch uh, before the All Star break. They lost the series to the Yankees. Then this game was coming out of the All Star break, like a, a fully rested team so to speak. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. had some injuries, but I mean, getting demolished 28 to five out of the ulcer break, that's gotta, that's gotta do something to the psyche of a ball club, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think it sends people into panic mode, um, which once again, we'll, we'll get in when we get into trade deadline talk. Um, but moving to what's been going on in the national league, the West is highly competitive, getting better. I would say uh, Tatis is on his way back for the Padres, but you know, the Dodgers still are king of the West at the moment. Uh, The Brewers sitting on top of the central with the Cardinals just behind sneaking up, trying to make their way. Maybe they'll be buyers at this deadline. And then the Mets still running the American league East with the Braves, just a half game behind the national league East. Did I say you said American ladies? And in terms of the National League, I mean the Dodgers—they have that division pretty well in hand. The wild card is going to be really interesting with uh, the Padres and the Cardinals. But it's it's the NL East that is the most intrigue um, in the National League. I mean the Mets were ten and a half games up at a point in this season. Now it's that lead has been trimmed down to just a half game. The Mets are twenty four and twenty since the start of June. And they, they've already made a few deals. They, they're they're going to go hard on this deadline. I, I think we all know that. But the Braves are playing some fantastic baseball. I mean, they we saw their trade deadline last year. They got a bunch of rentals, Jorge Soler being one of them. That was the World Series MVP. Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario. Like, th- this is a team that knows what they're doing at the trade deadline. So the NL East, I mean, the Nats aren't there. Only 27 and a half games back. But... Um, the, the Mets and the Braves uh, going forward is going to be probably the biggest competition uh, in the National League. 
and the the Nats is an interesting conversation moving forward to our deadline discussion mm-hmm. about sellers. I think we're going to start with our buyers first, who we think are going to make uh, big moves during this um, this last week here. Uh, and starting off, why don't we stay with the East and why don't you talk about a little bit of those moves and then what you think the Braves should get going into this last week. Yeah, with the Braves, it's actually really interesting. They have a couple of young pitchers who have been really outstanding, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright. And what what it comes down to is, are the Braves going to try and limit the innings of those young pitchers? So do, do they go out and get a veteran arm at the deadline? They have Charlie Morton, who has been really good for them. Um, they have Max Fried, of course, and then Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright have rounded on a pretty solid top four rotation. But do they go and get a veteran arm to kind of you know, eat some of those innings that Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright can't. Strider's a guy that hasn't pitched more than 100 innings in his career in any season. And Kyle Wright, he, he was really good early in the season, has been a little bit shaky so far uh, in, in the past few weeks or so. But I think the Braves are probably going to go out and get a uh, get a, a starting pitcher. I don't think they're going to go get an outfielder. They have Acuna back. Remember, they got a bunch of outfielders last year because Acuna was out with an ACL tear. So I, I see them, their infield and their outfield is pretty set. Maybe go after a second baseman if Ozzy Albies' prospects isn't as uh, positive as as they thought initially. Um, but th- this this Braves team is really stacked. I mean, you got William Contreras, Travis Darno in the, in the catcher at DH positions, and then a very stacked outfield. Matt yeah, Wilson there, like they got a lot of pieces. Right, Dansby Swanson, Swanson still yeah. in shortstop. Austin Riley still at third base, and just going back, Acuna, Albies, and Olson are all locked up on pretty long term contracts. They made some genius moves with getting Albies and Ronald Acuna on some amazing deals in their second year in the league that allows them to not have to offer them a lot of arbitration, which they would have received to this point. Um, so uh, I like what they do in the, as general managers, but I think that I'm going to say this a lot during this episode because I think there's just so many of them on the market. I think you got to go into the bullpen. Absolutely. You have mm-hmm. to. And I think a team like them would really benefit from getting a couple arms. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these playoff-bound teams, I mean, just thinking back for, for the Nationals, they always go and get a bullpen arm or two, and the yeah. Braves are. They have A.J. Minter back there. Kenley Jansen, he's he's dealing with that heart issue that he's been dealing with off and on for, it feels like, the past three or four years. So maybe you can't even rely on him for a deep postseason run. But A.J. Minter, Will Smith are back there. They've pitched really well. But, I mean, thinking about bullpen arms they can acquire, every team, it seems like, maybe with the exception of, like, the Brewers with Josh Haters or something and Devin Williams back there. Every team could use bullpen help in the, the mm-hmm. Braves, especially with starters that maybe won't go deep into games and, and or deep into a postseason run. Bullpen definitely uh, is something that they should be looking for. Yeah. Like we were saying, the the Braves had a fantastic deadline last season. Like all of all of their moves paid off uh, with the World Series. Like one of the best in history. Yes. Like you would think. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and they were able to retain you know, I think the most important pieces out of that. Um, but this seems like even more, an even more important deadline to make moves on because last season they were, I, it feels like they were way behind, like out of the playoff conversation almost. Whereas here they have a real, you know, they're what, one game behind the Mets? Half so a game. Half a, half a game. So, so they, if I could interrupt, they were actually orbiting around 500 at last year's trade deadline. So that was a huge boost to them. This time, right. they're 604 winning percentage. Exactly. They they are not looking at a wild card burst anymore. They are looking at uh, at a division championship. They could be because if they have if they can continue this forward momentum going in the next couple of weeks of the season, you know that's an immense difference. You know that's the difference between playing. A team like um, yeah, that's the difference of playing. You know, a team like the Dodgers or the Cardinals. Um, you know, those are two very, very different prospects. Um, Faced off last year in their own wild card game, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's um, I if I was the uh, Alex Anthopoulos right now, you know, I would be making a lot of calls at this moment because this is even more so than last year. This is the time to buy. And then going from, you know, the Braves who are in such a competitive position right now to try to make the most out of winning their division, uh, I think the Yankees are in a a weird spot where, um, yes, they are definitely buyers at the deadline, but not because 
of that they need the extra push to win their division or anything like that. They're so far in front, uh, but they just need to overall put together a lineup that's going to be World Series winners. Uh, unfortunately for us, I don't think any of us uh, would like to see that. Um, but the Yankees are in desperate need, I think, for for arms as well, uh, due to you know Michael King being injured. They need some more bullpen uh, pitchers, even though their bullpen has been stellar. I mean, their entire team has been stellar. Um, but with Severino out and Tyone, you know, it's it also adds that factor of do they need a starter? Do they do do they want to go out of their way to get that? But they also have such a large system that they can kind of go anywhere. They want to move. Joey Gallo, um, and, and a lot of people are saying Andrew Benintendi is in that conversation, whether or not he's going to be there. And then IKF um, is is not the best shortstop, so they might want to improve there if they want to really pull away in, in that World Series conversation. Well, the thing with the Yankees is, like you're saying, they don't need any help blocking up this division. No. Um, and I think I would say that that's the case for all of the – the division champions in the AL with maybe the exception of the twins. But, you know, I, I also don't see the, the guardians and white Sox really overtaking them at any point. Um, what they want is security. Um, and like we were saying earlier, uh, the big thing on that is, is bullpen arms, um, especially with Michael King gone. That's, I feel like that's there because you can get by with, with IKF in the infield. Um, well, they, they got him. I, I thought they got him for his defense, but he's been one of the worst defensive shortstops yes, this season. Right. And, and he's not really adding anything in terms of power and even in terms of average. So, mm-hmm. like, if he's playing good defense, like, you can stomach having him as your eight or nine hole hitter. But without the defense, like, I don't know. Like, they, they may try and get a, a defensive shortstop. They could. They, def- they definitely could. Um, I wonder if. You know, because I the Yankees also have developed uh, uh, such a quietly impressive. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd even say quietly an impressive. You know, prospect pool that I don't think they want to to dig into too much, um, except for you know we we'll talk about Juan Soto and all all that those potential deals later. But as long as the rest of the lineup is producing, which you know they have been. For the entire season, I I think the Yankees don't really need to to put themselves out there in the market too much at this point. Um, the Benatendi thing, I also don't really see them at like I know they're serious contenders for for trying to land him, but there's the consideration that the Yankees still have two series against Toronto, and they might end up playing Toronto in a wild card spot. So in a wild card series, so that's a big risk if you're if one of your key contributors is you know unvaccinated can't play in Toronto. That's something that I would maybe raise question marks for. You know, that's not. I don't think that would necessarily stop them from going after Benatendi, but it's it's certainly a a, a question mark in that conversation. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with you there. And then going from you know. The, a team that is so far in front just looking for security the Astros are in a similar situation where I feel like they could be buyers I feel like the Astros aren't going to do much of anything um at the deadline but they could be buyers they could want to improve their lineup and and their bullpen and such but they're they're a fire team though yeah for the Astros I mean this team is is incredible they probably have one of the best starting starting pitching rotations um in the entire league Headline, of course, is Justin Verlander, but I mean, younger guys, Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, um, other people that I don't remember. Lance McCullers is, Lance McCullers is coming back. back. Um, and then in the bullpen, they have Brian Presley back there, who's been really good. Uh, Hector Neris got a, got a save when Presley was on paternity, paternity leave. And then, I mean, this lineup is, is just incredible. Uh, Jordan Alvarez making a case um, as one of the better hitters in the AL if Aaron Judge wasn't there. Um, but I mean, 12 games up on the Mariners in the division, like the Astros, like maybe a utility bat is is what we were talking about a little bit before, but also maybe don't, uh, sell prospects for, for someone that may not help your team that much now because your team is already really good. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's a real gamble for a lot of these teams. You know, Yankees, Astros up 12-plus games in their respective divisions. There's no imminent threat to them. So any any moves that they make that they make uh, before the trade deadline are going to be steering them for the postseason. Um, so any move that you make is up has the risk of upsetting the chemistry in that team either now or you know in the future if we're talking about prospects. So uh, with these two teams, definitely be I would be you know a, a little more cautious. Um, and only go after someone if it's if it's low cost and high potential return. Um, and I think the same thing is more or less applicable to the Twins. The Twins are in a weird situation where the division that they're in is is I think far more the the division championship race is more competitive at this point than than in the East or West. But I still don't see the Guardians or the White Sox. Uh, making up that ground to catch really? up with them, especially because don't... because the White Sox have been suffering injuries and are still going to be suffering injuries for the next couple weeks. Um, and the Guardians, I don't know. I I think they're a white a wild card team at best. I don't see them. I don't see anything stopping the Twins' momentum, barring like an injury to like Carlos Correa or or Byron Buxton. See, or I think by the end of the season. The only way for a American League Central team to make it in the postseason, when we're finally in at the end of September, is through their division. Uh, I don't even. Think I don't that. know that that's true though, because I think the white, I think the Guardians, and to a lesser extent the White Sox are both at least contending for a wild card spot. Whether you know, I I don't really think the white the White Sox should be contending for a for a wild card spot, but they're in the position where you know that front office can sort of convince itself that they're still contenders through Absolutely. September. And, and it comes down to, for this wild card, it is an extended three-team wild card. Tampa Bay and Toronto, they're they are not set in stone. They're only a game and a game and a half each above. But Seattle, it depends on if you believe in the Mariners or not. Um, this is a team that hasn't made the postseason in a very long time. The Guardians are two games back of the wild card. They're also two games back of the division lead. So, like... It's really close in the AL wildcard. I mean, you have the Orioles three and a half games back. I don't know if any of us actually believe in the Orioles in terms of postseason. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Um, they're buyers. That would be as a, <laughs> they're uh, buyers. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. I don't know that they're buyers, but um, but with, with the White Sox, you talk about injuries. Uh, Eloy Jimenez um, just hasn't been able to catch a break. You just feel bad for the guy. Yeah, he came back for a little bit, then went right back on the IL. Luis Roberts on the IL for. Um, uh, looks like probably till the beginning of September. Lance Lynn doesn't look like the same pitcher he was last year. Lucas Giolito doesn't look like the same pitcher he was last year. It just seems like everything is going wrong for this White Sox team. Um, and I, I, I do agree with you on that. I don't think the White Sox are going to make a run for the division. I think it's between the Twins and the Guardians. And the uh, the Twins need starting pitching help. They I, mm-hmm. they have Joe Ryan. They have Sonny Gray. And they, they're not really getting much other than those two people from the rotation. Yeah, so I, you're definitely right. I, they will definitely go after starters if they can. Um, and there are, you know, we've talked a lot about relievers. There are starters on the market for sure, um, especially ones that I think the Twins will be able to get on the cheap relatively. Um, see Noah Syndergaard perhaps going to the Twins. Um, yeah. Something like that. They they have Joe, low cost sort yeah. of yeah. Like their rotation at this point, Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, and Chris Archer are the four guys that are healthy currently in their rotation. They have Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, Kenta Maeda, all those guys from the IL. So this is this is a tough starting rotation for the Twins. Ober yeah. is absolutely nasty too. I don't know if you guys have watched any of um, you know his film and whatever, but guy has such an amazing slider. It's I could watch it all day mm-hmm. so i hope fairly when he returns from the il uh we'll i'll get to see that more yeah well you know joe ryan too is is he has started out really lights well. out yeah um and that you know i know him because he was a formerly on the race then he went over in that nelson cruz package last year which you know to this day i think is one <laughs> of the worst trades that the rays have, have ever made um, because he's been spectacular for them especially at the beginning of the season but you're right they absolutely do need 
to shore up that. I think postseason experience as well in the rotation. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. Brian is is uh twenty career games in the MLB, right? Um, mm-hmm. this season two way nine year rate has been outstanding, like you said. But maybe I don't know if Syndergaard has any postseason experience because he was on the Mets. But uh, <laughs> no, in two thousand fifteen, he probably did. But but I see them going out and getting a veteran starting pitcher. Maybe not shelling out big money for or big prospects for a Montas or or Castillo. Well, that's the interesting thing is that both Castillo and Montas, who are like the ones that everybody's been talking about, the starters on the market, both of them don't have postseason experience. So if that's something that the Twins are are looking to add on the Twins roster, first of all, I think Carlos Correa is the the one. The only one that stands out with significant postseason experience. Well, the Twins haven't haven't won a game in the postseason since Gary Sanchez, what? maybe with, with the Yankees. Oh yeah, but, I guess. Uh, um, but Gary Sanchez is another interesting one because that uh, catching tandem that the Twins have is not very good. <laughs> um, Gary Sanchez has not been. You know who could have who could have predicted that Gary Sanchez wasn't going to be doing very well this year? Hovering around the Mendoza line is yeah. kind of where he is at this point in his career. With I mean, you expect pop from him, but ten bombs in the first half is not necessarily what you want to see. Mm-hmm. So people are saying that the Twins might also go out and get a catcher, which I don't think is something that they need necessarily. I think the priority has to be starting pitching. But if they wanted to go out and get like a Wilson Contreras. Um, We'll talk about the Cubs, but I think that would be that's a, a definite trade target for them. Talking about other buyers potentially for uh, this trade deadline, the Mariners that they had a, a insane fourteen game winning streak, and then the All Star break kind of came at a bad time for them. They they were on that heater. All Star break came and went. Uh, Julio Rodriguez obviously put on a show in the home run derby and maybe aggravated a wrist injury that he sustained against the Rangers before the break, but. Uh, they uh, the Mariners just lost two games in a row to the Astros. Of course, the Astros are one of the best teams in the league. But you know, a, a team on such a hot streak going into the All Star break is kind of unfortunate. But looking at what the Mariners could potentially acquire, they they probably need starting pitching. I mean, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert have been really solid at the top of this rotation. Um, but maybe trying to I, I've seen some reports maybe trying to go all in for a Luis Castillo uh, mm-hmm. and and maybe even including a Matt Brash in that deal, which would be really interesting. Which would see that that would be um, that would be a really really big splash at the deadline. Yeah, they could have went for Patrick Corbin and, and Juan Soto. No, I'd, I we can talk <laughs> about have. Soto if we want. I don't think Soto's going anywhere. But. <laughs> I also don't believe so. But we'll get to that in just a second. And just touching on a couple more buyers in the National League West, we got the Padres and the Giants are very competitive towards that wild card spot. Uh, the Padres having Tatis coming back is going to benefit them a lot. The Padres are a Key landing space for uh, Soto, it seems to be, if they do trade him, they do have an amazing system over there. I look for both of these teams to improve their bullpens, the Giants especially. The Giants are an interesting situation because they were still kind of running off that high from the overperforming of last year. Uh, And then coming into this season, they started out kind of poorly, right? They had like a losing record. I think they were 37 and 45 at one point. And now they, they're they're right back in contention here. So uh, good for them. Great for them. But uh, their defense is what lacks just all around the field. A lot of these older guys on their team have lost that kind of edge to their range and their versatility. Um, so I look for them to actually get a position player if they do make a move. But there's a big case for the Giants actually just staying put with what they got. Yeah, I think uh, the Giants front office in the past has been very cautious about um you know they're not a, a team that necessarily makes blockbuster moves um, oh, you know about that yeah i do know about that and we'll get into teams that don't make blockbuster moves in a little bit but i really think that they i, I honestly am not sure what's going to happen with them i can definitely see them buying they're like you said they're only two games out of a wild card spot but i think they might barring you know, something like a. I think they could pull a Soto trade off, but I think the Giants. I think they could. Well, I don't see that. I think they could, but I. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the Giants. They made one of the bigger splashes last year with Chris Bryant. They obviously didn't keep him around. He went over to the Rockies. Um, but this is a team that it seems like they they exceeded so many expectations last year with with guys like Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt and and 
like older guys from their like early 2010s runs that were like really producing and that was just like when is this production gonna stop and it seems like it's it's kind of ground to a halt for the giants i don't see them making uh, a postseason run i think the cardinals are a better team i think maybe even the phillies are a better team than them um which it, it pains it pains me to say um i i am not a phillies fan by any stretch of the imagination but I mean, I think the Giants front office thinks that they're going to make make waves in the playoffs, so I think they're going to be buying, um, if nothing else, probably, you know, a, a bat for the middle of the order to replace some of those aging guys in there. The Phillies are an interesting situation because they're in a very similar boat where uh, got to get some better pitching, especially their bullpen. Their bullpen's atrocious, really. Uh, and then they're the uh, same way with the defense. They have the worst defensive team in in baseball, I'd say, and I don't. I'm not looking at any statistics for that, but they just they just are. They don't pass the eye test. That that was something that that was kind of known uh, going to the season when they acquired Schwarber, they acquired Castellanos. They were going all in on bats and really taking taking a hit on offense. I mean, the universal DH kind of took a little bit of that stress away, but I, I mean, still having a Schwarber, Castellanos outfield, Gene Segura's hurt. Like this defense is not great. I mean, I remember looking at uh, guys like uh, Scott Kingery a few years ago, his defense wasn't great. And the Phillies, they've, all, they've always struggled with defense and their pitchers. I mean, their, their, their FIP has always been a lot lower than their ERA. I mean, it, it comes down to having to deal with this up, upwards production and hitting and then dealing with the, the lower defensive ratings. And I mean, Castellanos has not proven to be worth that contract or, you know, worth his defensive liability. He's been, he has had no power this season. So that, that really wraps up our, our conversation on the buyers, and now we're going to move into uh, some teams that we think are going to be selling based off of their records, uh, overperforming stars potentially, and, and where we think those players are going to end up. Starting with the Chicago Cubs, because they only have a couple guys that I could see them moving. But for sure, you know, Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras are, are two prominent names that we mentioned Contreras, we did not mention Happ yet. That could be on the move. Hap is having a his best season to this point. I think the Giants would be a suitable location for Ian Hap. I could see that. I mean, uh, a very versatile player. Plays outfield positions. Plays second base. I've seen him play first base as well. Um, Twenty seven. He's he's playing really really well this season. I mean, uh, OPS above eight hundred. Uh, average just under two eighty. Not a lot of power. Only nine homers, but six steals. I mean, this is the guy that could push for a 2020 campaign maybe not this year I, I believe he got close last year um but i mean ian Happ has been really good i see Happ and contreras going to the same place maybe for a bigger prospect haul than you would get individually if you're the cubs that's kind of where i'm thinking about how that's going to go so do the giants need a catcher i don't know i mean they have joey bart um, coming on yeah he's yeah. been there uh Buster poser recently retired yeah, and, and Hap's not a guy that, that really tears the cover off the ball or, or shows up on, on a lot of top percentiles on, on the underlying numbers, but he he gets the job done. He's been really steady this season. I mean, an 800 OPS from a utility guy, from someone that you can get in the deadline for probably not that big of a prospect haul. Like, it, it it's, it's definitely a good addition for anyone who wants him. I don't know if the Giants are going to go for him. I would think... Maybe a team that needs, I, I maybe even the Astros go for him. Like that's the kind of thing, utility guy that that any team would really love to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I I think there's no shortage of like you're saying, there's no shortage of buyers. I I would be very surprised if if Ian Happ is not moved. Um, because he's going into into uh, arbitration next year. Um, and you know, as a as an all star, I think this is the highest that his trade value is going to get. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So the the time to move Ian Happ is right now um, and see what you can get for him. Wilson Contreras also is going into free agency. Um, and it's it's sad to see, you know, one of the cores of that 2016. Well, he's group. like the only one left. He's the only one left. Exactly. He's the last uh, uh, the member of the old guard uh, in Wrigley. Um, so it, it truly will be the final end of an era. We were, I know we were saying that last year, but this is this is pretty definitive that the Cubs are going into hard rebuild mode. If I it mean, wasn't definitive already. I mean, yeah, even Theo left, so... Right. But um, I, I, I definitely think that these people are going to be in different places a week from now. Like you were saying, Colin, 
maybe together. Um, I I don't know because we were talking about Wilson Contreras going to a team like the Twins, which I don't know. That's where they I, could I come, that's where I really could go with them too. You the think twins. so? I, oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I think, wondering yeah. the Twins. I don't know if they need someone like Ian Happ. I don't to know. Play if they, corner I don't outfield? know if they would be willing to give up the prospects that you need to get both of them when they don't really need yeah, Ian Happ. The, the Twins never really go big on like big deals, big contracts, even. But I mean, Ian Happ in that lineup, you, you have a healthy Byron Buxton, um, which obviously is a knock on wood type situation uh, for, for a guy like Buxton. But I mean, Carlos Correa, Alex Kirilov is back. He's been hitting the ball pretty well. Like, I there's definitely a spot for Ian Happ in this lineup. I mean, uh, I think that they've been starting Nick Gordon in the outfield a few times in, in the past few games while Buxton has been out. So there's a spot for, for a guy that can play so many positions who, who can impact the ball well and also has a little bit of speed. He's got six steals on the season. Like, this is a guy that uh, all teams should be, uh, you know, making calls for. And if you're the Twins, you need a catcher. Try and get Ian Happ in that deal as well if you can. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the National League Central, uh, the teams that rounded out right there at the bottom are the Reds and the Pirates. Both had, well, the Reds had one of the worst starts to a season of all time, really. Um, but they have some names that could be on the move in uh, pretty much just pitchers. Uh, but there are utility bats uh, like Brandon Jury and, and Tommy Pham that's an outfielder that could be on the move as well. But I think where these teams will make moves is their pitchers. For sure. I mean, Luis Castillo, an all-star, probably the top name on the starting pitcher market, him and Frankie Montas. But Castillo is, is the guy. He's the crown jewel of this trade deadline. I mean, 277 ERA and, and 13 starts. And I mean, his comps this season have been Sandy Alcantara in, in terms of his velocity, in terms of his changeup movement. And this is the guy, Luis Castillo, has one of the best changeups in the entire league. His fastball velocity is around 97. Uh, swinging strike rate is, is up in the top percentile in the major leagues. Like, I see a team going all in. A team that needs to go all in on starting pitching is going to go for Luis Castillo. And I originally thought it would be the Yankees, but it looks like the Yankees are kind of pooling on Castillo, maybe trying to get a, a lower-end prospect haul in terms of trying to get Frankie Montas. But a team, any team could use, I mean, Castillo was what is an ace, has been an ace uh, in his career, but he, he would be a great number two starter for, for any team right now. Yeah, if I'm, you know, as a Red Sox fan, just any pitcher right now would do for our organization. It seems that we have a pretty big problem with letting go runs right now. Um, if they were to be buyers, which at this point I don't think they're going to be. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, like any team would want to have Castillo in their rotation um, with the production that he's putting out. Uh, as well as, I think, um, on the Pirates side, um, you know, you have David Bednar, who's an amazing lefty reliever, which I think the market for lefty relievers is always very, you know, potent market, right? And and I think any anybody would want to get David Bednar, you know, all-star performance. Um, but they also have Jose Quintana, you know, some older names that we mentioned, like vet, veteran starters that could be you know, going on the move just because they had a decent season, right? And I think that's a lot of the case when you at the deadline we talk about all these big names and then all of a sudden we have all these tiny ones spread all throughout that make differences but we didn't really catch. Yeah, I mean Jose Quintana, he he's been kind of like the black sheep for for White Sox fans. Uh, he, he was acquired um, by the White Sox from or he was acquired from the Cub uh, mm-hmm. from the White Sox by the Cubs for Eloy Jimenez, I believe. Um, and then now he, he's been kind of just bouncing around organizations. Um, but he, he could be a nice veteran arm ad for, for any postseason experience. Postseason experience, there we go. I think Brandon Drury as well, going back to the Reds, mm-hmm. um, is going to be a, a great ad. I mean, who expected Brandon Drury to hit 18 homers with an 854 OPS in, in the first half of this season? And I mean, the underlying numbers back him up as well. I mean, 82 percentile barrel percentage, uh, max exit velocity in the top 86% of the league. Like he's doing really well. He's hitting the ball to all fields and to the Astros. That would Could be, be. That, that would be a a great um great ad by the Astros. I mean, Drury's not a name you think of me like oh this is the guy that's going to make a big impact to your organization. But driving in fifty four runs on the Reds is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Hitting two seventy six as well. Um and I mean there there are some things that don't back up uh his the underlying numbers. In the last two seasons, his exit velocity average has gone up seven miles per hour since 2019 and 2020, which seems like a little bit of uh, something that isn't sustainable. 
But the Astros know what they're doing in terms of developing players and I mean pitchers, obviously. But Brandon right. Drury is, is going to be is going to be someone that I think is going to make an impact going forward. Yeah. yeah, I talked about player development in my solo episode. Uh, you left <laughs> me with for the Astros it was a pretty big part of why I like their pick so much. They drafted an outfielder, Drew Gilbert, but um, that Astros uh, player development, I will you know reiterate, is just. I mean, it's spectacular what they've been able to do since 2014 with their draft prospects, with their international signings. Um, I A lot of those pitchers in their rotation, right, that are so young, Framber Valdez or Kitty, right, were not names that were notable prospects for pitching. And then all of a sudden they come through and they get to a World Series appearance, right, and they, they help push for that. Uh, absolutely destroy the Red Sox in the championship series. I went to that game. Uh, anyways... But anyways, yeah, I I like the jury to uh, the Astros. The other thing with that is that I mean, obviously, he's, the, he's a he'll be a good utility player. You know, he he has the the potential to play different positions around around that um, infield or outfield um, if he's needed. But also, if they don't want to take a gamble with him, they they don't have to resign him. He's he's uh he will be a rental because I think he. Yeah, twenty twenty three is a free agent. So you know, if they like what they see, he could be the guy that pushes them over the brink. Um, and if not, just you know, let him walk. And, yeah. and it's a, it's a low risk, high reward. And that's why deal. that's why the Reds need to get rid of him. Though they need to get something. They need to get something. yes, absolutely. Like they they know they're pro- they're gonna get something for Castillo. And I mean, if you're the Reds, you're trying to get anything you can get because these these are guys that are going to walk. No one really wants to be part of the Reds. And they had a great draft. The Reds had a great draft. I mean, went best available, which each choice they had, uh, you know, Cam Collier dropped. You know, he was one of the top five prospects. He dropped to number 18. They picked him up, right? So their idea right now is, one, they didn't have a path, right? They're in complete rebuild. So they're just trying to get any prospects that can help their organization. I think their ETA right now is probably a five-year plan. Uh, so I expect them that with the prospects that they get, they're probably going to go young, if anything. I don't think they want any uh, anybody that's either had their clock started or will be ETA next year. They want something that's going to really push for the advance so all their prospects can come up at once. Another team that doesn't really have a direction that is in absolute full rebuild mode is the Athletics, and they only have a couple more names that they can sell off after giving away their entire organization um, in you know the summer, right? Or not, sorry, in the off season, right? So only Paul Blackburn, who was an All Star, I could see them selling high on him, despite you know not he's not going to be a person that in four years is going to help them, I believe. Uh, and same thing for Frankie Montas. Well, for Frankie. The thing with a with Paul Blackburn is you're right they can definitely sell him at an inflated value because of his his all star his yeah. all star position that would have gone to Frankie Montas if Frankie Montas had uh, been healthy. Right. Um, with Frankie Montas, he before he got injured, he was the big um, name in the AL, you know, or in in the the uh, tradable starters conversation. Um, Even going back to last trade deadline, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the fact that he's injured has me wondering if a team could maybe pick him up on the cheap or cheaper than they normally would. Which was definitely is something that could happen. That happens with all injured players at the deadline, injured players during the offseason. You know, if you're an injured free agent, right, you're going to have a, a lower deal. So I can see that being a potential for Montas. And I think that's what makes him such a hot commodity right now. And if you're the Athletics, you're really happy that Montas came back from the IL, and and he he's looked really solid. I mean, three innings uh, coming back, it, all scoreless, struck out five, uh, fastball velo up at ninety eight point four. So if you're the Athletics front office, you're like, we're gonna try and get as much uh, from this guy as possible. Well, as I mentioned in my uh, draft breakdown, it doesn't seem that the Athletics have any idea what they're doing in that front office uh drafting a catcher was not on the cards for me when i looked at their team their two top breast prospects are catchers shay langliers and tyler soderstrom and then they drafted daniel suzak maybe they go out and get a fourth catching prospect guys they could just get gather them all right <laughs> it's like it's like pokemon you have to collect them yeah you know and then all of a sudden when anybody needs a catcher they're gonna overpay to the athletics because well 
they have them all. So they're they're playing fifteen dimensional chess with all of us right now. Yeah, can't forget Sean Murphy. I was about Sean to say Murphy. Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy is, I think, another. We don't have him on the list here, but I think he's another guy that could be moved. Well, um, their catcher depth, yeah. If yeah, exactly. They're not. It's not like they're gonna be. They're gonna be missing him for a team like, you know, if they, we're talking about package deals, the Twins want to go out and get Montas and Sean Murphy. I think. Yeah, that that would be really interesting. Yeah. I I always feel like going individual players to individual teams probably would lessen the return. Uh, like Sean Murphy straight up for a prospect probably won't get you as much as Sean Murphy and Montas for you know a big prospect and then maybe a few other guys on the side. But that, that's really interesting. I mean, Montas coming back uh, pitching well, um, and and for him the velocity um, has has he struggled with it over the past few years coming back from a lot of injuries. He had a back problem uh, last year. But Velocity up at 98, you know, this is a guy that, I mean, we say this all the time for teams of sellers, but starting pitching, um, uh, a guy that can potentially, you know, be be a third or second starter in, in a rotation, uh, and then maybe add in a Sean Murphy, could get a really big prospect haul. And, I mean, assuming the uh, Athletics front office knows what they're doing, they, they could they could really capitalize on the, on the talent that they have on the team right now. Yeah, and then moving to uh, two teams that have a little more direction. I think their, you know, their path to the postseason is is much more prevalent. Is the Rangers and the Tigers very different situation? The Tigers have their um, prospects coming up through the system, while the Rangers went out and bought two star players in Marcus Semien and Corey Seager. Right, so they're going for the buying your way to the postseason while the Tigers are working through their system and development. Now, the question is, is that panning out for the Rangers? Um, maybe a little bit in terms of the pitchers that they invested in that they now can turn for prospects. Um, some of the names, Martin Perez was or was amazing. Uh, Gray has been pretty good for them. Uh, where do you guys think lies for the Rangers and, and those pitchers to, to be dispersed? Yeah, I don't see them uh, dealing any of their their good pitchers i mean martin perez is a guy that i red sox fans probably know yeah. uh, that <laughs> this is probably an unsustainable situation for martin perez we've already seen the wheels kind of fall off over the past month and a half he started out the season amazing i think he had a sub two era that's that's gone up to probably you know uh, looking at it now up to two six eight which is still a fantastic mark but Which, it, and if it's unsustainable, then why would you not it, sell? It, that's a good point. I, I, I've been reading from Rangers beat reporters that they like what they have with, with their rotation, but I, I would not be surprised if they were to try and sell these starting pitchers. John Gray, I think, is one of the, one of the more talented pitchers, um, uh, not maybe not in the league, but top 25 in, in terms of talent. He's just, he was just overshadowed by Coors Field. Early I don't think career. Gray's moving. I think it would be Perez just because of the free agency right next season. And then Gray's up, locked up until 26. So it would make more sense to keep the one that's, you know, obviously under contract for a longer period of time. But also for, uh, and, and to go back to that, just Perez having that lease, right? You mentioned that if it doesn't work out, with Jury, it doesn't work out with Perez. He will not be there for too long. Well, re- reading here, uh, Texas GM is saying that they want to extend the relationship with Martin Bre- Perez beyond this season. Um, so interesting. So maybe that that's kind of what I was referencing when I said Wild. I, don't, I don't see them. That's uh, I, I don't know if that's I don't know if out. that's the right move either. And again, um, once again, we are under the presumption that these front offices <laughs> know are acting doing. rationally, right? Yeah, well, the Rangers front, you were talking about organizations that don't have a lot of direction. I am not particularly convinced that the Rangers are... They have a better that, that, direction, I, I don't think. know that they know where they are. Because if you have, if you're trying to work through a rebuild and get all these... Maybe I'm just looking at what they did last offseason, which I obviously has not panned out. <laughs> spent um, a lot of money. They spent a lot of money for very little... Um, return little little tangible you know results i would have moved uh martin perez but i guess if that's what they're saying they're not gonna that they want to extend the relationship that seems very strange to me so i wonder if they would consider moving gray then because i don't think inked long term i don't think they move both like they definitely are not going to move both but Gray, I I wonder if that sort of long team control is something yeah. that is an asset to like is is a good 
trade chip for people that want to want to have him. It's a just looking at it now. I didn't know how expensive this contract was. This is four years, fifty six million for John Gray, a, a somewhat unproven guy. I don't see a lot of teams wanting to take oh, on that I contract. Didn't, I did not realize the contract was that bad. Hold on, let me. Uh, and going to the Tigers, which you know, once again being like convinced on whether or not they have a plan. I'm much more convinced that the Tigers know what they're doing. You know, they went out. They they got AJ Hinch after his suspension. Uh, they have a lot of prospects coming through the system. That some of them are already up, like Torkelson. You know, Riley Green's making a splash too. Um, but their only people that they're going to move really is is their bullpen, which they have quite the arsenal of people that could be going. Michael Fulmer arguably had a better all you know a better campaign than Gregory Soto, who was an All Star for that Tigers team. Um, Andrew Chafin could be there on the move too that guy's weird have you guys seen like his mustache and all that i love it yeah Mm. Uh, yeah i knew you would i think i knew you would he's a he's a character for sure um but those are like the three guys that i can see the tigers moving um and each one of them could go anywhere i mean when we talk about relievers there any maybe not every single team it depends on their righty lefty splits right uh for their bullpens but you got to imagine that everybody wants to improve their bullpen. It, it's been proven within the last decade. The importance of the bullpen in the postseason has been such a prominent factor. I mean, it wasn't like that. though. It, was, it didn't used to be like that. And even in the beginning of the 2010s, it really uh, kind of started because of the Royals and what they were building in, in 2014, 2015 with, um, you know, Herrera and, and some of those other guys Wade on that Davis, team, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, right. That, that kind of was the spark for postseason bullpens are, you know, so important. Right. Uh, so I see any team going out of their way to get, uh, these relievers. I don't know so much about Michael Fulmer and Andrew Chafin, but Gregory Soto all-star he's proven that he has multiple years of being successful. I could see him potentially being on the move, but at the same time, maybe the Tigers want to lock up, uh, him long term as their as their closer. The attractive thing about I think I don't know about Andrew Chafin, but I, I know Michael Fulmer and and Gregory Soto is that they're they're on long term deals. Um, so yeah. that's certainly something that's going to draw you know more prospects to the Tigers if they decide to deal them. Find Andrew Chafin and there. one thing that that I always come back to when it comes to the bullpen, and, and I'm going to bring it back to the Nats because I because I always do that like. They, they acquired, in, in 2019, they acquired Daniel Hudson, who was a nobody. Um, th- this was a guy that had no pedigree. He was bouncing around organizations, had a bunch of injuries. He ended up closing the World Series for them. Like Any one of these guys in the trade deadline could be the catalyst or or the, the savior of a bullpen. And, and that, that's why getting bullpen help is so important. Like No one thought, or at least Nationals fans were like, okay, Daniel Hudson is like kind of a nobody. Like Why did we want him? He was the closer in, in the ALCS or NLCS. He was a closer... In the wild card closer in the World Series, like any one of these guys, like you, you could see maybe Gregory Soto coming in and like changing the prospects of a bullpen, something like that. David Bednar, I think, is is a great example of a guy that that could really right the ship or write a, a bad bullpen. I mean, maybe maybe the Braves would, would get a guy like that, uh, Bednar or Soto, and I think the the bullpen help is like like you were saying, it, it can't be overstated. And I'm glad you brought up the Nats because I think that's where we're going to move on next to close out our conversation on the sellers. The biggest, you know, the biggest rumors of them all have been Juan Soto. There's other people on the Nats that could be on the move like Josh Bell and uh, Nelson Cruz, right? Um, but, I mean, everybody's talking Soto. And honestly, I don't think he's moving. But I'd like to start with you, uh, Colin, what you think about this whole situation. Yeah, what I think is I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it just just going around any any Nationals fans. This organization is butchering, butchering their relationship with this superstar. Um, it's it's going so poorly. I don't blame Soto for wanting out. To be honest, if he wants out, like the Nats, they they promised him before the season. You, they're like you're not going to get traded, and then they it was leaked to the press that they were they were exploring deals, and Soto didn't know that. So he learned about it when all the fans learned about it. And so there's this whole thing, and Soto, say what you want. Down season, whatever, he's hitting 247. That's not great, but he is one of the best hitters in the game. Uh, he 
he's 20 homers, 43 RBI this he's season. So young. So young. He's 23. Any prospect package you get is not going to be enough. A, a player of Soto's caliber is one in a million, it seems like to me. And you, you can get the top three prospects from the Yankees. I still don't think it's worth it. So the contract that the Nationals offered Soto was reported, I think, 15 years, 440 million. Yeah. Um, which I think AAV that broke down to just about 30. Just about 30. Not enough, I, I personally. Which you don't think is enough. No, I, I. Also, 15 years is an insane contract. I mean, to be locked up in one organization, I mean, listen, we know loyalty from players is very important, right? But 15 years also could, I mean, I don't want to shed any bad light towards Soto, but a lot of those contracts, I mean, once again, the paying Soto 30 million, uh, you know, 15, yeah, 12 years from now probably is not going to be looked at as a, a great asset towards the Nationals organization, but you know yeah, maybe he's I, forty hitting three fifty still. I hundred percent agree with that. I I'm more of a fan of for younger guys maybe seven or eight year deals. Um, I think mm-hmm. Nolan Arenado signed a seven or eight year deal, but he was a lot older than Soto at the time. Um, but any like I said, any prospect package you get is not going to be enough. You know maybe Jason Dominguez turns into a Juan Soto, but that's a maybe. Like it's not like Soto is is not going to be around if this team rebuilds. He's 23 on a three-year rebuild track, which is where I think the Nationals were at before all of this you know, started happening. Um, he would be 26. He would be entering his prime. Like, uh, in a prime Juan Soto, like, you would think maybe it's the past few years of him, but he could get better. He could, you know, improve, uh, hit into the opposite field, all these things. He's been selling out for power this season. But the, the real reason I don't think he gets dealt is new ownership is exploring purchasing the Nationals. And it's been reported that new the new prospective owners don't want to buy the team without Soto. So, and the learners, the current owners of the Nats, they want out. They won their World Series in 2019. Um, they have shown that they really don't care anymore. No offense, but offense. I don't like you guys. You're annoying. But I see, I see Soto staying with the Nationals for at least the next two years. Uh, maybe not two years. At least... Past this trade deadline, we'll say, um, because new ownership wants Soto to be on the team, and I think he's worth any amount of money that that he wants personally. But um, this is a Nats team that has sunk what forty five million dollars a year into Corbin and Strasburg. Uh, so you know, take that what you will. But long story short, too long didn't read. I don't see Soto going anywhere this season. Now, I'm glad that you you mentioned you know no offense because when the Nationals owners listen to this podcast they're not <laughs> going to be so furious anymore. But the the Corbin conversation is uh, really interesting to me because I don't think he's going to get traded just because this is what I would do as a GM too. You have a player like Soto for all the reasons you mentioned. I agree with why you should keep Soto. But if you are going to give him up, you have to have a hard set. This is what it will take, right? And they've been sticking to their guns uh, throughout all the rumors uh, from what I've seen. The amount of prospects you'd have to give up to take Corbin's contract. They're doing the right steps in order to make sure that they try and get a sufficient deal, right? But I still, same with you, don't think it would be enough for a player of Soto's caliber. But I like what what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's no Mookie Betts situation here, bud. (laughs) <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen some stuff. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, I, I believe, reported today that they're looking for an organization's top three prospects and more. And if it, it's not a negotiation, if a team doesn't want to offer that, then ask to move on. So I think that's the right way to go about it. But also, I've seen reports that the Nats want the the buyers of Soto to also take on Corbin's contract, which would lead to a lessened prospect haul, which I think is just ridiculously stupid. I think that, that I know they want to get rid of the of Corbin, you know, handcuffing them for the next three or four years, but you can't, Soto was one of those players that is a, he's a, he's a once in a generation player, in my opinion, and letting him go for, for less than you could just seems, maybe it's simplistic view. It just seems ridiculous. The teams that have been linked to Soto, whether in varying, you know, whether you believe that they are or not, the, the, the teams that everybody's throwing out are the Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, Padres. Padres. Padres, I think, are the biggest ones. And the Mariners. I think there are two more. Giants. Who am I forgetting? Oh, the Giants. Did you say the Cards? And the Cardinals. And Cardinals. the Cardinals, yeah. The Cardinals are That's huge it. on it, too, Yeah, from yeah. what I've they seen. They've made, mul- they've made multiple offers. Yeah. 
so, I don't see him going into the division. If he goes to the Mets, I may. I, well, I, I heard that the Mets are depression. the Mets are out of it because the Mets also don't have a lot of prospects that they can. Yeah, it would be it would be from. like Brett Beatty, um, Francisco Alvarez, uh, other people probably. But in terms of prospects, I see that the guys that the Cardinals have is probably the best. I mean, Matt Libertor, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn. These are these are really strong prospects, but still, like it's not going to be enough. And and uh, it's never enough. It's never enough. Very well said, Tyler. Um, it's just it it just it just makes me so sad thinking about this team without Soto. Like they they said, Davey Martinez said when they were rebuilding, this is a rebuild centered around keeping Juan Soto, and the ownership has just ruined it. It, it seems like this relationship is going south. It seems like it already has. So I wouldn't be surprised if Soto isn't a national in the next two two years, but I don't think he's being traded at this deadline, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So Right, and I, you know, I'm calling this whole situation right here in this last couple weeks of the, the trade deadline. This is the Soto shuffle. I mean, this is the definition of what it should be, the, the Soto shuffle. You know, where is he going to end up, all these conversations that we're having? Uh, but Well, I, because, sorry to interrupt, but like anywhere that he moves or doesn't move, you know, determines what that team can do for the rest of the deadline because a team trading a team trading for and for future deadlines (laughs) exactly a team trading for juan soto is not going to make any other moves in the deadline right like and and in terms of the nationals trading juan soto pushes your rebuild window back two or three years right at this point i i've been kind of i thought they were going to be somewhat competitive this year i know like i thought they were going to be like an 80 win team they're currently like a 30 <laughs> or something. So that did not come to fruition. But, I mean, they have a solid, you know, youngish core. They have the, the cash they got from the uh, from the Dodgers. Keep it Reese. He's, he's really good. And I, I want them to keep Josh Bell. They're not going to. Um, but that that's more national stuff than we need. But I, I think Josh Bell is, is gone. Cruz is gone. I think Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco, Michael Franco, gone. Any, anyone they can potentially get anything for is, is gone. Yeah, I think we we've we spent a long time on this podcast. I think we're coming up on the end of our discussion here. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a longer episode because guess what? We got guests. Camilo's back. We're having a good time. Uh, but let's just touch a little bit on the teams that could be sellers, could be buyers. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, close to my heart, of course. I think, unfortunately, they're going to be sellers because of what's happening. Uh, but I think the next series against the Guardians is going to be everything that we need to know it's going to tell us what we need to know going into that last week because right now the socks are on a huge decline i mean i gotta believe the morale is down i gotta believe the panic button is soon to be pressed if heim's not already talking to other people um there is potential right i mean we can't not acknowledge like in one week does not define a season for for most teams right but this is, I hate to say it, but I, I think Bogarts is going to be on the move. Uh, that would be their top person. Either Bogarts and JD would be the top people they would move, um, as well as maybe Bobby Dahlbeck uh, and John Shriver, right? Because he's had an amazing year in the bullpen. And if you're going to sell high on somebody, I would say that he'd probably be the guy that you'd sell high for this organization. Uh, but unfortunately, guys, I'm not too happy to say that, especially because... With the Bogart situation, right? Three years in a row, they've draft they've drafted middle infielders, and it's just it's got me a little confused. You know, you sign Trevor Story to a deal, so you're thinking, oh, they're gonna lock up this infield. They're gonna have Story, Bogarts, Devers, but now it's looking Story, Meyer, Casas at third. Who? What are they? What are we doing, guys? What are we doing? We're <laughs> letting everything go, and it's hurting my heart. Hurt my heart. Well, the good thing is is that they, if they are going to deal, they're going to get, you know, ideally a lot of prospects in return. They will get a very good return. I hope from, so. If, if you <laughs> I mean... move Xander Bogarts with the season that he's having, you know, move J.D. Martinez, that's, I, I think there are worse positions to be in. Obviously, it's not great for this season, but, you know, in an American League East, that's so, like, this is the most competitive that any division's been since 2005. You know, if not before. Do you think the Rays are going to do anything? The Rays are at the trade deadline? Most um, likely not. They are the Rays. But I, hey. don't, I don't think they are. I, I think, 
the because the, acquiring a pitcher, you know, you have a lot of people on the injured list. They might acquire. That's the thing is that the Rays. Jose have Quintana been, to the Rays. Think uh, I would not like to see Jose Quintana on the Rays. <laughs> um, I do think that they will if they do make a big trade. It will be for a reliever or several relievers. Um, I think that's really the only thing that they have to address because they're they're at the point where you know they're really just waiting for people to get off the injured list. Right, and um, if you guys want Bobby Dahl back, we'll send him yeah, right over. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, this AL East, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot is going to be decided, especially for the Red Sox in the next couple, next couple series. Um, the Orioles, which we talked about a little bit, um, you know, they were kind of on a tear right before the all-star break. They just beat the Yankees. They just beat the Yankees. Yankees. Exactly. So they're, I think they're a game under 500. Um, but they're not that far out of a wild card spot. They're exactly five hundred right now. Oh, they're exactly. They're, they are down five nothing in the seventh, so they're probably going to be a game under five hundred. So they're half a game under the Red Sox right now. So if the Red Sox decide to sell, well, they're going to lose. So the Red Sox are also going to lose though. So, but the Orioles aren't going to win. Yes, most likely. So everything would stay put. <laughs> well, the but the Orioles, I think, will sit tight. But you know, I, I, can, I, can, a... I can see people making arguments that they can get the last wild card. I don't spot. think. I think it'd be dumb. It'd be like rushing. I the agree. Rebuild. I agree right? because I think this is a team that's very well positioned. They're not going to the make future. it past the Astros. They're, they're not ahead... going to make it past the Yankees. Right. Like they they have a really good system. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I mean they're he- they're yes. ahead of schedule. Yeah, is yeah what absolutely. We would call it. They're ahead of schedule. Adley Rushman has come up and has exceeded expectations, in my opinion. They, they got a lot of guys down there in the minors: Heston Kierstad, Grayson Rodriguez on the pitching side. Like, like like you said, ahead of schedule, and this is a this is a team that like it's really impressive what they've been able to do. Um, as a as just watching from the outside, it seems like the the members of the team are bought into the vision. You know. You know, maybe, uh, you know, I clowned on it when it happened, but maybe changing their stadium a little bit yeah. helped them out. Yeah, For It would sure. be interesting to see how that affected their pitching um, in terms of, you know, home runs allowed to, to right-handers because they, they did that because their pitching was so bad. And, and now maybe... Yeah, that was that was the big selling point of yeah. those my tweets and, and my jokes. <laughs> uh, speaking about Twitter, though, we are going to end this uh, podcast here. Uh, Colin, we appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. Uh, where can people find you in, in any closing remarks? How did we satisfy your podcast expectations? It was great. You know, this is <laughs> this is uh, the first in-person podcast I've recorded in a long time. I always do them over Zoom uh, because my co-host is always traverse, traversing around the globe. But, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, on Twitter at Colin Kapoor. That's K-H-A-L-I-N. And then, you know, I have a few other podcasts. Check them out on Spotify. Uh, Fantasy Finessers podcast is fantasy football. Um, I have a baseball one about Northeastern baseball, but you don't have to worry about that. And then I have a Northeastern hockey one called The Bean Pod, which is exciting if you're interested in Northeastern hockey. A lot of you Emerson students would be. Um, But check me out there. But once again, Camilo Tyler, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, and, Thanks for and coming on. of course, and you can also read his articles at right. the Globe, as as you know, he is a fellow sports co op. Uh, so you guys can follow him and follow his story and his journey in journalism right there. Uh, but that's been it for us. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore underscore Foy and Camilo. I'm at F O N S E C A underscore E S Q. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope to see you guys next week.